God willing, we will start our new series next Sunday evening, and I believe we're being led to a Pauline epistle. But as we did last Sunday evening, so we will do tonight, just consider a one-off message. Last Sunday, we looked at the song of Jeremiah, one of the songs anyway, and it was a lament, a sad song, as the prophet was going through much difficulty. But in the middle of those trials, he did not lose hearts. Now, this evening, we're going to look at another song, the song of Moses, which is in Deuteronomy chapter 32. And unlike Roger, I'm not going to go through the whole of a song this evening. We're just going to look at a verse And it likens God's dealings with his people to that of an eagle with its chicks. I think young eagles are called eaglets. I think I've got that right. So let's look at Deuteronomy 32, verse 11. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with him. Moses penned this song toward the end of his life, so he's looking back at 40 years of God's dealings with the children of Israel. Is there anybody here who's been a believer for 40 years, maybe longer? And what we're going to do this evening is look back, and we are going to compare our Saviour's dealings with us as Moses is doing here, as an eagle looking after its chicks. It's quite an encouraging song. Uh, The first part brought out the comforts of God towards us, his people. But then I wanted to carry on a bit because it gets quite challenging when God describes after all he has done for his people, they have got obese and they have turned away from him Uh, but our interest tonight is in this uh, little metaphor of an eagle looking after its young and that is a picture of our God and his fatherly care over us now there are a number of actions described in this song just as you have actions in a children's song uh, there are actions here I don't know if you can note them. The first is an eagle stirring the nest, disrupts the nest. The next is the eagle hovering over the nest. And linked to that, spreading its wings and taking the eaglet up and carrying them, bearing them on its wings. So those are three actions which we're going to consider as we're going through this verse. Not necessarily in that order. The eagle stirring, disrupting the nest. The eagle fluttering over the nest. And the eagle taking up the eaglets and bearing them on its wings. So let's just look at how an eagle treats its young and then we'll learn some lessons there as to how our God has dealt with us. Do do you believe 
that God deals with you personally? Do you believe that God deals with us corporately as a church? None of us can say, by my own strength, I have come this far. There's only one reason. God is behind. God is in front. God is round about us. And we here this evening are living witnesses to God's leading and keeping of us. Very well then. Let's just note, uh, using those actions from this verse, how an eagle treats its young. Have you ever seen an eagle? Um, a few years ago, uh, I was up in Torridon in the Scottish Highlands, and it's renowned for its golden eagles. I never saw, I never saw a golden eagle there. I saw a picture of a golden eagle in the visitor centre, but I actually never saw the real thing. But they're magnificent birds. They're strong. And yet, what this verse is bringing out, and I'm sure Moses would have seen eagles quite a lot during his travels, even before he was called of God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was a shepherd, wasn't he, on Mount Sinai for 40 years. So he would have had vast experience of looking at the wildlife and of noting their habits. So even though the eagle is a strong and a glorious creature, what comes out in this verse, to begin with anyway, is the tenderness of the eagle towards its young. There is a tender care in terms of how the eagle looks after its young. So we'll come to the verse in a minute, but we need to start with this. Where does the eagle build its nest? Do you know? I think there's a hint in a previous verse. If you look at verse 10, he found him, uh, the children of Israel, or Jacob to be specific, he found him where? In a desert land, in a wasteland, in a howling wilderness. Where do you find eagles' nests? You find them high in the mountains, high up on some precipice, on some precarious ledge. It's not in an accessible place. It's not in an easy place. But it's somewhere wild, somewhere inaccessible, somewhere dangerous. And we should start there this evening. Where did God first find his children? If we think of Jacob, there was nothing attractive, accessible about Jacob to attract God's attention. Indeed, it was Esau, his brother, who would have been that kind of person. But Jacob was the complete opposite. He was a devious character, wasn't he? And yet God, out of pure grace, chose Jacob, loved a Jacob, a wilderness of a man. Where did God find the children of Israel? Uh, to think of the picture here of God leading his people out of Egypt and leading them through the desert to the promised land. It was in bondage. It was in Egypt. It was under the burdens that Pharaoh was putting upon them. You remember what happened? Uh, Pharaoh arose that did not know 
Joseph and the Pharaoh was jealous of the children of Israel. He did not want them to take over, so he put burdens upon them. And he uh, got them to build bricks without straw. They were in an impossible situation. They were in a wilderness, as it were. And yet God intervened, didn't he? And delivered them. Where were you when God first found you? You may have been in church. You may have been in a mission. You may even have been found of the Savior this past week. Praise God. But spiritually, we were nowhere. We weren't in a place where we somehow deserved God's mercy. We were in a howling wilderness, whether that was in a church or in a Christian home or completely out in the world. In terms of our relationship with God, we were as dead as a dodo. And he came. He came. Isn't that love? With tender hands, he lifted you out of the pit and set your feet upon the rock and no matter how uh, uh, dangerous things may be around about you, you're on the rock. So that's where we start. So the eagle builds its nest, not in some pleasant, green, accessible, safe spots, but dangerous, far away, uh, inaccessible. And then look at what the eagle does. We, we, we're swooping down to the verse, don't worry. The eagle looks after its chicks. The eggs hatch, and then there are two parents, and one of them uh, watches over the eaglets in the nest and keeps them warm and protects them. And the other uh, flies to find food and brings in provisions into the nest. And at the same time, this other one hovers. This is why the word hover is used in one sense. Hovers around the nest to make sure that there is no danger. Isn't that a lovely picture of how our Lord deals with us? We have been saved. We, we haven't saved ourselves Uh, No one can build bricks without straw. We called on the name of the Lord in desperation, as the children of Israel did, and God raised up a saviour, and we were saved through a sacrifice, the Passover, the lamb that was sacrificed, and the blood of the sacrificial lamb was put on their doorpost and it's been sprinkled upon our hearts so that we are saved from the righteous anger of God. And as a result of Christ's sacrifice, we are being led. And what is our experience? I don't know how long you have to look back here, but can you remember the first few weeks and months after he found you? Can you remember his nearness to you? Just as the eagle is so close in the nest, uh, so uh, protective of its young, uh, giving them a cutch, as we say in this part of the world. 
And wasn't God like that for the first few months? I don't know what your experience was like, but for me, it, it was like, well, like verses coming, coming. I didn't have to go looking for them. God was feeding me in his word. It was a struggle to go to lectures. Just like the eagle uh, there in the nest, everything coming to the chick. And just that freshness of everything, the sense of sins forgiven, the joy of salvation. Do you remember that? Uh, hearing the gospel preached in a mission, it does rekindle some of that warmth, does it not? But then, it doesn't stay like that. If you look at the verse, this is where we're coming to. Deuteronomy 32, verse 11. It doesn't stay like that. Hovers over its young. What is that referring to? At first, you got one parent going away to search for food. Another parent is always staying in the nest. Never leaves the young eaglets. But then over time, something begins to change. The love of the eagle doesn't change, right? Whatever else you're going to learn from tonight, the love is constant. But what begins to change is this, the frequency of the presence of the eagles. What begins to happen is this, instead of bringing the food right down into the nest, do you know what the eagle which brings the food does? I've done some reading, right? This is how I know. <laughs> he starts dropping food into the nest so that the eaglets have to start looking for it. And then what happens in process of time? It gets even worse. The two parents begin to spend less time in the nest. They begin to withdraw a bit. And even the eagle that's bringing food... He's not even dropping it now into the nest. He hovers above the nest with the food in its beak in order to try and get the eaglets to flutter their little wings so that they can pick up the food. Can you see the application? God loves you, right? That love will never, ever change. But our father doesn't have any spoiled children. He doesn't want you or I to be spoon-fed. At first, for the first few months or even years, yes, he may have mollycoddled us, he may have protected us, he may have given us such spiritual provision. But haven't we learned that as we grow in grace so that our wings, our faith, may develop. He causes us to have to seek him for spiritual food. He causes his face to withdraw from us. And we have to trust him in the dark, as it were. We have to say with Job, maybe, even though he slay me, yet will I still trust in him. Whereas when we were young spiritually, it was as if God was taking us by the hand. And it seemed as if 
everything was easier. Now he's just distancing himself a bit and letting us go on our own. He hasn't left us. He wants us to develop wings, spiritual faith. Am I speaking to somebody tonight? You're struggling because that sense of the Lord isn't the same as it was when you were first converted. My friend, it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be. As we looked last time, our communion with Christ is always going to be up and down. Our union with Christ is constant. And maybe somebody is saying, well, pastor, I find it difficult to read the word. I'm not what I once was. Oh, in my younger days, the verses would just come to me as they did to me. But now I have to go looking for them. My friend, that doesn't mean that uh, you're far from God necessarily. It actually means the reverse. It means that God wants you to mature. It means that God, rather than spoon-fooding you like a baby, wants you to go after himself. Jesus Christ said, search the Scriptures. Do you know what the word means in the original? It means ransack the Scripture. May we be like that. And then it gets worse. It gets worse. The eagle stirs the nest. Do you know what that means? The word in the New King James isn't strong enough. <laughs> Do you know what the word stirs means? It begins to take the nest apart. So uh, a nest inside, a nest outside is twigs, isn't it? And it's rough. But inside a nest is soft and warm. It's got feathers and all sorts of uh, um, comfy, lovely things. But what the parent starts to do, so if we think of the poor eaglets now, here they are, what they've been used to, they've been used to being mollycoddled, they've been used to the presence of one of their parents there all the time, they've been used to food coming right into the nest, and then gradually they found that their parents are not there all the time, uh, that they have to trust in them more. They now find that they have to go looking for the food. It does come. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. It's still the same. It's still uh, our Father that feeds us, not we ourselves. But he, at a distance, causes us to have to reach out for the food. And then it gets worse. What the parent seems to do then is go against them. The parent starts using their beaks and their talons to break up the nest. What's happening? What's happening to my little world? It's falling apart. Is that happening to anybody here tonight? You thought you had a little comfortable, coochie, spiritual nest. And there's nothing wrong with that at first. But it seems in God's providence that that is beginning to fall apart. And you're beginning to wonder, is God really there for me? Listen, my friend, God is as much there for you as he was when he first saved you. What he's doing is trying to get you 
to fly. <laughs> if I can put it like that. He's trying to get you to use your wings of faith. Uh, there's a famous hymn, isn't there? I've often read it, Newton's hymn. Have you, have you had this experience? This is God seemingly, seemingly against us. Yea, more with his own hand, he seemed intent to aggravate my woe. Crossed all the fair designs I schemed. Blasted my gird, Jonah building a gird and feeling very happy because he had a gird. His neighbours didn't have a gird. He had this wonderful plant. And there is Jonah thinking he can enjoy life now because he's got a gird. But God blasted his gird and laid him low. And laid him low. Is that you? Your girds, all the fair schemes have been blasted. Isn't it interesting that when difficulties happen, they don't happen uh, uh, in a scattered way, do they? They all come at once. It's as if you're being attacked left, right, and center. And it can feel as if God is against you. But he's not. He's not. I like the image of the eagle hovering. He's still hovering over the nest. He's still looking out for his eaglets. Yes, he's uh, destroying the nest, but for a reason. But he's still looking, looking, looking. Do you know what, my friends? God is hovering over you. God, by his Spirit, is watching, watching, caring for you. The Comforter. God even loves you that he sends angels to watch over you. So what's he doing? What's he doing? This is the reason. Unless that nest is disturbed, those eaglets are going to die. Let me repeat that. Unless those eaglets leave the nest, they're going to die. Because they need one day to fly for themselves. They need one day to find food for themselves. And so what the parent is doing is saving their life. <laughs> it might seem as if the eagle is destroying its young, but actually the reverse is happening. Their lives are being saved because they are being given the gift of life. And the gift of life is the gift of flight. The gift of flight. And you know what? That's what our Heavenly Father is doing with you and me a lot of the time. He doesn't want us to get overly settled in this world. He doesn't. It's a wilderness. We were saved and found in a howling wilderness, spiritually speaking. And it's still a desert ever since then. There's only one place, ultimately, where we're to settle down. And that is heaven, the city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In this world, we're just traveling through. We're passengers, we're pilgrims, we're sojourners. And so God has to break up our little nests so that we begin to walk less by sight and more by faith 
and using our wings. Using our wings. Are you using your wings? Uh, this is how one person puts it. I found this um, quite remarkable. <laughs> Here are these little eaglets. They've known the comforts of the nest. And even though the food isn't coming in as regularly, they have to search for it. They've still got their nest. At least we've still got their nest, they say. And then one day, even their nest is broken up. And what do they do? There's only one thing they can do. They just go out of the nest. And remember, all they've done is practiced a bit to flutter their wings in their nest. That's not the same, is it? As having to actually use them when you're out uh, in the open air. Uh, and they may try to flutter their wings, but it doesn't seem to work. And they begin to fall, and they begin to worry. This is going to be my end now. But if you take up the verse, this is where the verse has to be read in its entirety. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, and then there is this reference to spreading its wings, taking them up. What eagles do is this. They mess up the nest so that the chicks are pushed out, and the chicks are forced to have to use their wings. And often those chicks, because they've never used them properly, instead of flying, they fall. But they need not worry because their parent swoops underneath them and bears them up on those large wings. And you know what happens then? They take them back to the nest and the process happens all over again. <laughs> Doesn't that sound a bit like the life of a Christian? <laughs> and it happens again and again and again. And those eaglets, through many an attempt, many an attempt, will one day start doing this and they'll find something different happening. Instead of going down, they go up. And this is what I want to read. I found this quite moving. They spread their wings and they feel for the first time the rush of the wind against their wings and learn that they're made to fly. I can fly. They begin to use those wings and they feel for the first time what it's like to soar, to soar. They would never know what it is to soar had not their parents disturbed their nests, causing them to have to leave the security and the comfort of the nest. Oh, my friend, oh, my friend, God does not want you or I to stay in our little nests. God, our Father, does not want us to stay in our little comfort zones. There's too many comfort zones in Western evangelicalism at this moment. God, our Father, crosses our fair schemes blasts our green gourds in order that we start leaving our nests and start using our wings. Uh, Moses uses a phrase, verse 12, so the Lord led him alone. The Lord alone led him. The Lord alone led him. That's can I say this? That's what it feels like when you begin to exercise your wings of faith. Uh, we often sing it, don't we? Stuart Townend's rendition of Psalm 23, the chorus, and I will trust in you alone. 
That's what it is to fly. You may not soar, maybe, but you're beginning to fly a bit, trusting in God alone. What did uh, God say early on in Exodus? He puts it like this. Exodus, middle of Exodus chapter 19, verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I, this is what God says, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you myself to this place. I bore you with eagles' wings. Uh, I find that a most encouraging illustration. I find uh, for myself that my faith is often not the kind of faith that enables me to soar. It doesn't sometimes even enable me to fly. But even when we fail and fall, we are still born by the wings of our heavenly Father. Oh, my friend, you need not fear. You need not fear to fail. Oh, if only we were like Peter. Uh, the other disciples, they wanted to stay in the boats, didn't they, on the Sea of Galilee. They didn't want to venture out, but Peter, Peter being Peter, had to give it a try. And may we be like Peter, ready to put our foot in it if needs be, to venture out in faith. And at first he was able to stay afloat. He was able to soar. But then he looked at the waves and he sank. And Jesus lifted him up when he cried, help, I'm sinking. What a privilege, what a privilege to have heard last week people who've learnt to use their wings. To hear of people in Moldova, sisters we have got to know very well. And I'm sure they won't mind me saying there's nothing special in them as people, but they have learned to use their wings and to trust in God alone. And my, haven't they soared? Haven't they soared? There's another house, God willing, about to be built. It's not them. It's not them. I've got several mugs, you know, from Moldova. We have to have a new mug each time because another house has been built. So on my first mug, there's one house. And then the latest mug I've got, there are four houses. So I'm sure there'll be another mug soon. And on the mug is the verse, with men it is impossible, but nothing shall be impossible with God. My friend, that's what it means to use your wings of faith and to soar. I can't do it. That's what the sisters would say, but God, God does, and we look to him. What a moving testimony we heard from Jeremy Marshall. Do you know what the best method of evangelism is? I don't know if you should discuss this in evangelism committee, but the best method of evangelism is affliction. Didn't Jeremy Marshall say that? When God really breaks up your nest, and he had a very comfortable one, when God gives you a terminal illness, that's what Jeremy Marshall said, is what brought the Lord close to him. He was able to soar and gave him so many opportunities. And what about last night? A lady talking about her parents, missionaries, uh, being uh, attacked and her father being killed. Uh, and a mother 
Really, not just in words, but in our hearts. Forgiving those who have done that. Oh, my friends, I find when the eagle is uh, trying to get the eaglets to develop their wings, as it's um, got food for them, and it's doing this, I think the eagle isn't just hovering with the food. I think the eagle is trying to say to its chicks, do this, do this, use your wings, use your wings. And you know what the people we heard last week were saying to us? Use your wings, use your wings. You don't have to be somebody special. You don't have to be somebody gifted. We weren't. But we trusted a God who can do impossible things. What about you? What about me? What about us as a church? Are we going to step out, step out of our comfort zone and step out in faith to do the work that God has called us to do? It's a difficult time we're living in. Uh, Things are going to get harder probably as a result of the post-COVID situation. But you know what? Nothing is too hard for God. And the harder the times we are living in, the direer the straits we may face, then the greater the opportunity to fly and to trust in a God who intervenes in dire straits and impossible situations. Well, I need to come to a conclusion there, but do you know what it is to trust in him alone? Spurgeon's got a quotation. Brethren, it is well for us that in providence we are led by the Lord alone. There is an overruling hand after all, notwithstanding our fallen and our willful nature so that God's purposes are ultimately fulfilled. But, she says, I wish, I wish this were more true in our experience. So Spurgeon said, we believe that in our head but I wish it were more true in our consciousness consciousness, that we are led by the Lord alone. I mean that we wait upon him on every step, on every step in life. Oh, my friends, we have been surrounded, haven't we? Not just in the last week, but over the years. What a privilege to be a pastor of a church like this. We have been surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses. I can think of people now who have gone home to glory And, oh, how God enabled them to use their wings of faith. And may they inspire us to look to our Saviour and to look to him alone and to ask of him uh, impossible things, expect great things of God. Let me close with that verse we started this morning in Isaiah, maybe the best place to close this evening is the 40th chapter of Isaiah, right at the end of the chapter. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let us soar. And one day we will fly out of this world into the promised land of the heavenly Canaan. And then 
what glory, what glory it will be for his name's sake. Uh, let us close by singing together. Mr. It's Mr. Hyam's hymn, I think. And hadn't, hadn't his nest been uh, stirred when he composed this hymn? Am I right in saying that? That he was laid aside in hospital? And that's when the Lord drew near. I saw a new vision of Jesus, a view I'd not seen here before. So let us stand to sing this hymn.
Give me the wings of faith to rise within the veil and see the saints above, how great their joys, how bright their glories be. Once they were mourners here below and poured out cries and tears. They wrestled hard as we do now with sins and doubts and fears. I ask them whence their victory came. They with united breath ascribe the conquest to the Lamb, the triumph of his death. And we, Father, praise thee for the death of thy Son, Jesus Christ, whom we heard of this morning. And we thank thee that we are more than conquerors through him that has loved us. And we pray for greater faith, Lord, less of self and more of thee. And may our little faith uh, become uh, flying faith, as it were, as we are led along, borne along by the spirits in weakness, knowing thy strength each day. Bless us, we pray, and bless especially those whose nests are being uh, disturbed at this moment. May they know a fatherly care in great tenderness in the darkness. And now may that grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.